From the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name is Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what, if, what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. So today I'd just like to talk a little bit about the Blessed Virgin Mary. So again, this morning we're still in the fourth Sunday of Advent. This evening and this uh, tomorrow morning we'll be celebrating Christmas and then for the next eight days as a church we celebrate what's called the Christmas Octave. Eight days in a row that we celebrate as though they were Christmas Day themselves. And so there should be a lot of celebration um, and <clears throat> Christmas doesn't just end with Christmas Day. And so, as we're in the fourth, Advent, the fourth Sunday in Advent, um, the Blessed Virgin Mary is kind of our image of receptivity to God. And we know, because we've been talking about it here at Mass, uh, I've been talking about it here at Mass, the past several weeks since Advent started, that Advent is basically about preparation. It's about preparing ourselves to receive God. We get Jesus' admonition in the first Sunday of Advent, be ready, stay alert, pay attention. You don't know the hour. He wants us to pay attention to when we're going to die, um, the, to be ready for the moment that we're going to die, to be ready for the second coming, to be ready for the first coming is what the church is preparing us for. 
Then we have John the Baptist, who brings people out into the desert through his preaching. People are attracted to him. They want to come to him. So they go out there and they're purified. And that helps them to get ready. Today we have the Blessed Virgin Mary. The image of pure receptivity to God's will. I want to start off talking about the Blessed Virgin Mary a little bit by going into our first reading, which is from the second book of Samuel. Here, we're at a time period in the kingship of King David, the famous King David. He is right around 1000 BC. David unites the northern and the southern kingdoms of Israel. And this is a high point in the people of history's in the people of Israel's history that we're reading the context of this passage. And so David's doing well, everything's going well, and he says to himself, I'm living in basically in this giant palace, and God himself is living in a in a in an ark that is not even a temple yet. The temple had not yet been built. And so he's in the ark in a tent. Here I am living in a house of cedar, he says. And then David, with good intention, intentions, decides, I need to build the Lord a big house. And he says this to Nathan. Nathan tells him, Nathan's the prophet at the time. He's the religious guy. He's the guy who has the strongest connection with God. So David consults him often as king. Nathan answers the king, Go do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that night the Lord spoke to Nathan, the prophet, and said, Go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, should you build me a house to dwell in? It's I who took you, David, from the pasture and from the care of the flock. David was a shepherd, which is the lowest rung of society at that time. Very gritty, blue-collar, um, low-paying, hard work conditions. That's the shepherd. Lowest, one of the lowest of society. Should you build me a house to dwell in? It was I who took you from the pasture and from the care of the flock to be the commander of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you went, and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. And I will make you famous like the great ones of the earth. I will fix a place for my people Israel. I will plant them so that they might dwell in their place without further disturbance. Neither shall the wicked continue to afflict them as they did of old since the time I first appointed the judges over my people Israel. I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also reveals to you, says Nathan the prophet, that he will establish a house for you. Here we want to start shifting our minds into the, the metaphor that, that, is, that is provided for the Messiah. I will establish a house for you. And when your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your heir after you sprung from your loins, that is your ancestor, and I will make his kingdom firm. Again, Jesus being referenced here. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever. This is the house and the kingdom that we're in right now, by the way, which is the Holy Catholic Church, um, and Christianity, broadly speaking, the body of Christ. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever. Before me, your throne shall stand firm forever. Then we fast forward to the gospel. And so, notice God's emphasis on a dwelling place. You don't need to make me a dwelling place. It's well-intentioned, David. Get where you're coming from there. 
I'll make myself a dwelling place. And so we fast forward and we see God's first dwelling place on earth, which is actually in the womb of a young woman who we venerate as the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of God, we call her. And so we now have all these strange paradoxes and ironies that, that, that come into the world. The infinite God is contained in this, just this little, this little baby, not yet born. And Mary is the one to receive him. And we call Mary the first tabernacle. This is a tabernacle right here. It holds the Blessed Sacrament. We call Mary the image of the church and the perfect Christian. And the reason we call her the perfect Christian is she's a model for, for how we are to relate to God. God is, generally speaking, the actor or the one who is active. We as the church need to dispose ourselves to passively receive that which God desires to give to us. And I talk about this a lot in homilies, but um, God wants to speak to us all the time. Whether or not we are properly disposed to receive what God has to say to us has a lot to do with our own disposition. It's not like God's you know, necessarily all the time going to speak to us blatantly and explicitly, but as we start to tune our hearts into this place of receptivity, again, the Blessed Virgin Mary, we really do start to notice God all the time and how he guides us, how he speaks to us, our thoughts, our feelings, our desires start to get very tuned into receiving from God. We have a clean and clear conscience. We desire to be obedient to God, our Creator, who created us. Um, and God does start to speak to us. Many of us I know in this church know that, but some of us don't. We think that maybe only God speaks to us every now and then, every couple years, every, um, every big sign or something in my life. Those are great things too. But God desires to speak to us regularly. Mary as the first Christian is capable of receiving um, Mary is kind of seen in parallel as an image of the church itself. And so we would think that maybe the patron saint of the entire Catholic Church would be the Blessed Virgin Mary, but it's not. Because she's seen as the image of the church. So the, actually the patron saint of the entire Catholic Church is St. Joseph. Which makes sense, because St. Joseph took care of the Blessed Virgin Mary who held God. Mary in her great fiat, which is what we just read from when she says yes, is a great example of what we as, how we as Christians are meant to receive. We receive from God, and then Mary kind of ponders in her heart. She still has questions. She doesn't quite get it. Um, she asks the angel, how can this be? I don't know a man. And so she's perplexed. It's okay for us to be perplexed. The holiest of us, the greatest of saints, still question God for why are you doing what you're doing and how are you make, what are you what are you planning on doing here? That takes faith, but she is faithful amid the troubling of her heart here. Her heart is troubled, it says. And 
she finally concludes with, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done unto me according to your word. Yes. I'll do what you're calling me to do. And, of course, this is when the miracles take place in our own lives. The final thing I'll just say is, um, I would, that was kind of a theological, biblical theological homily, I would say. Um, the last thing I'll say is just very practical, is I highly encourage all of us to, at a very minimum, know how to pray the rosary. But even just praying the rosary, and you can go on YouTube or online or whatever, you can pray along on YouTube if you don't know how to pray it. The, the rosary is probably the most powerful prayer that there is, I think, for, for us as Catholics that's not liturgy or a sacrament itself. It's very simple. It takes only about 15 to 18 minutes. We've, we're able to do 20 minutes of prayer a day if we pray the rosary every day, which I think should be a goal for all of us as Christians. We allow the Blessed Virgin Mary to help us to contemplate both Jesus' life and our life. We can think about the experiences of our own lives as Mary is kind of praying over us as we're praying the rosary. We can think about the words themselves that we are praying. Or we can meditate on the mysteries that we pray in the rosary. The beautiful thing about the rosary is it's a very sensible type of prayer, meaning you use your senses. There's touch. There's sound involved. You can do it with other people pretty easily. It's an excellent prayer. And the Blessed Virgin Mary helps us as she actually is there, praying it with us, helping us to pray, helping us to grow deeper with this very simple, ancient tool for growing in relationship with God, the rosary. Lord, we ask you to bless us through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Help us to meditate and contemplate that which matters. Um, help us to not be distracted by, by all sorts of things in our life that don't actually amount to anything. Help us to be receptive agents. Help us to cultivate the soil of our souls so as to receive the seed, the word, your word. Help us to discern what the next step in our lives is for all of us, Lord. To grow closer to you and to move forward in life. We ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. And we'll take a few moments in silent prayer just to listen to and speak from the Lord and maybe to just receive from the Lord.